0: You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. My guest this week is Marissa Levin. We're talking about her spiritual journey, moving from the unconscious beliefs that keep you stuck in fine to conscious beliefs that allow you to thrive why she walked away from the company she spent 17 years building, and how the relationships in your life can help you know yourself better. Marissa has been an entrepreneur for more than 30 years and recently launched Marissa International with a mission of helping 1 billion people access their most joyful life. She's also a best-selling author, speaker, transformation catalyst, and a mom of two incredible young men. I love that she teaches how to say no to the good so you can say yes to the great. Her life mantra is, when you become part of the universe, the universe becomes part of you. Living with a grateful heart, she passionately believes our best life is ahead of us at every moment. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. The question many people are asking lately is how do I find and maintain peace of mind? With everything going on in your world and the world as a whole, staying grounded can be challenging. Yet your happiness and well being are dependent on your ability to find your center, to tap into your inner knowing. Your health and sanity are at stake here. This is where the Fuck Being Fine program for individuals and companies comes in. It's time to stop saying everything's fine when clearly your hair is on fire. You want to learn how to stay calm and grounded no matter what's going on around you? There are people who live this way, and you can be one of them. If you're intrigued by this possibility, message me at laurie at zenrabbit.com or text me at 571 317 1463. Hello, and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Marissa Levin. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Pleasure
0: to be with you. This should be fun. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you about your journey from fine. Let's start with the, the first question that I always start with, and that is, what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who, who you became as a young adult?
1: Uh, I would say that the core values um that really defined who I became as a young adult, not necessarily who I am today, but as a young adult, uh, Judaism was the central premise of my life. That That was it. Like, I would say that the values of being Jewish and the importance of being Jewish were definitely the center of our world.
0: And within that, were there other things like... Like, I know in my family, like, education was up Yeah,
1: so, yeah, education, absolutely. Like, that was just a given. Like, there was no option that we were not going to college. Uh I mean, it was, we were absolutely going to college. So, yeah, education, family, um, friends. I mean, you know, growing up, prior to my parents' divorce, our house was always filled with lots of people, so community. Uh, So, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it would definitely be, Judaism and education, also service to others. Mm. Um, my father worked for NASA before retiring for decades and, you know, was definitely committed to the mission there. And my mom did a lot of community service as well. So I would definitely say that uh, service to others, education, and then just the basic you know, um, foundation of Judaism really kind of shaped me growing up.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then how did that play out in decisions that you made in the early part of your life throughout?
1: So I, you know, I suppose another value uh, was that basically you did what you were told, right? You didn't question what you were told um, and being raised in a certain way, we were absolutely um instructed and just you know raised with the premise that you marry quote unquote your own kind that's the way my mom raised me my parents raised me and there's no fault Mm -hmm. there because um where they came from they were from new york and the generation in which they grew up was the generation that uh she was 17 right in the middle of world war ii right so the, the whole shadow of the Holocaust mm-hmm. absolutely framed my parents' reality, right? Like the way they experienced life, the way they saw themselves um, growing up with a lot of anti-Semitism, a lot of neo-Nazi behavior in the streets of New York growing up. And so that shaped who they were. And then they took that experience and they... they um, overlaid it onto their children, mm-hmm. right? Like that was, that's how all parents parent, right? Like they take their own experiences, conscious or unconscious, and they put it on top of their children and with the best intentions in mind. And that's exactly how I was raised. Um, I, you know, I was raised that, uh, that marrying Jewish was 100% the single most important priority. That's what, that was the main thing that I remember growing yeah.
0: up. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm curious. Did you? Because I know you have two boys. Did you? How how did you change that dynamic with them, or or did you? You know what? Um,
1: I I took that dynamic very unconsciously, and contrib- you know continued it, uh-huh. and so without really giving a lot of thought to until really um, a decade ago to really starting to think about what is it that I learned and what is it that I believe? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what was kind of put on top of me, right? Uh, and what did I assimilate versus really kind of like what's in my heart and what's in my spirit? Yeah. Yeah. What's and true so, to me? Yeah. Uh, and and so uh, going from unconscious belief to conscious belief, right? So when we were raising our children, I absolutely raised them with the same values and the same principles that I was raised with, that my parents were raised with, that their parents were raised with. Right. Like generation to generation, door la door in Judaism. And there's a lot about Judaism that I absolutely love in terms of customs and traditions. And I'm very respectful and mindful of the history um, but as you know, more than a decade ago, as I started to kind of really examine what is it that I believe versus what did I learn? That was really where there were some, uh, contradictions. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to go on a lot of soul searching about that. So I did raise my children under the same premise, but you know, Lori, as you know, through this, I mean, the whole purpose of your podcast is about evolution and growth and change right. and coming face to face with, those unconscious beliefs that keep you in fine, right? And then doing that close examination of what moves you from the unconscious beliefs to the conscious beliefs. And so that's the work that I've been doing for over a decade, um, as part of my 30 year spiritual path. So
0: did that path mirror your journey in your business? Cause I know you've been through a lot of business transformation. So So Mm -hmm. two questions. One, what was the, what was the, the trigger? I don't know if triggering event is the right word. What was the, like the one that was there a specific event that's, that you reached a point in your life where you went, yeah, I need to really examine these values that I've accepted over these years and see if they really fit for me. And that's where you started your spiritual journey. Was there a specific incident
1: well, I my spiritual journey started long before that um but I you know for me, along my spiritual journey was really kind of getting a feel for where does Judaism play a role in my spiritual journey mm-hmm. but but I, my spiritual journey has been i mean I've always been as you know you know you know me i've I don't remember not being on a spiritual path like I was born mm-hmm. empathic, I was born kind of connected to the metaphysical world, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, that isn't something that I just kind of stumbled upon or that I embarked upon. It's kind of like the essence of who I am, but the really deep spiritual path in terms of like what I believe, I would say that, um, it was over 20 years ago, 25 years ago that I started really exploring the teachings of different, uh, different sects and, and paths of Buddhism, mm-hmm. right? Whether it was Tibetan Buddhism or Zen Buddhism, Um, now I'm really, uh, fascinated with Nichiren Buddhism, which is out of, uh, Japan. And so, but the premise of Buddhism in terms of, um, you know, living from a place of compassion and, and, um, and a lot of the principles that I just have kind of learned and embodied along the last 25 years, they were very much a part of my spiritual journey. And then I was kind of overlaying Judaism on top of Mm -hmm. that. And the work that I've been doing is really understanding like how it all comes together and, uh, and being okay with, quite frankly, not agreeing with a lot of what Judaism teaches.
0: Yeah, you and I have been on similar paths even from way before we even knew each other that questioning, which I am going to guess was not always easily accepted by your parents that you were questioning because I in sure. in my journey it wasn't, <laughs> um, but yeah, questioning what is what is the right thing for me, and that's again another thing we talk about on the show a lot is getting to that place where you can hear that inner voice of this is my truth, regardless of what all the outside voices are telling you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I mean, my mom has always been a free spirit. Yeah. Um, even though like she had such firm beliefs because of how she was raised and the things that she experienced, right. The things that she personally experienced, the degrees and the levels of antisemitism again, because she grew up in the city during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, the, what was happening in, you know, in Europe, the, permeations were occurring in the United States and anti-Semitism, you know, was at an all-time high at that point. And so she personally experienced a lot of threat, you know, a lot of physical threat. And so because of that, that colored her lens of the world. And so when it was time for her to raise a family, for her, it was about all about being immersed in a Jewish culture and community and environment. And so that was what was important for her as a parent my father actually, um, also raised in a very observant home. Right. Um, but because of experiences that he went through when he was growing up, uh, he's actually atheist. So, I mean, he's Jewish, but I mean, because of his own experiences, he's, he would consider himself an atheist. That's
0: so interesting. So, uh,
1: huh. yeah. So, you know, where I am, um, you know, I, um, I am, I feel fully connected to everyone in the everything and everyone in the universe, yeah. right? Like I, I just I feel that we're all connected. I just I feel that energetic link, really to everyone. I don't feel separation, and you know I don't feel divisiveness. I feel unity, and so, you know, uh, uh, the time came for me when I was raising my children, and I was like, you know, being the puppet and being like that unconscious mouthpiece of you know judaism 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 yeah this is what's important to our family generation to generation follow the traditions that's what matters most and then you know when my children started to develop their own beliefs um and started you know dating uh, girls of you know all different backgrounds i really had a reckoning of like well what is it that i really believe mm. right i mean am i gonna just parrot and repeat stick to your own kind, which is what I was raised when really in my heart, I don't really believe that because I believe that we're all connected. Mm -hmm. Right. So as a parent, it's been quite an interesting journey.
0: (laughs) I bet. I bet. So since the show is called Fine is a four letter word, tell us about a time when you were in that place where you were saying everything was fine, but it really wasn't fine.
1: There are so many. I mean, I can fill up eight hours of time (laughs) for that where I have done that type of introspection. But, you know, when we talk about business, um, as you know, I'm a 30 year entrepreneur, right? I've had four businesses. I grew my first business. Um, I started that business 30 years ago when I was working for a consulting firm. And this is going back when I was just in my early 20s. And he capped my worth at $34,000 after I had gone into him and made a business case about how much money I was making his company and the value that I was worth in the marketplace based on my experience, my education, how much money I was bringing in by doing sales on top of all the work I was Mm -hmm. doing. And he looked at me and he said, you won't ever be worth more than $34,000 to my firm. So that was not fine. Right. right? Definitely (laughs) not fine. And so... I heard my mom's voice in my head who said, you never let anyone determine your value or your worth. And uh, I decided to start my own company. That was really a huge lesson for me. And, you know, my undergraduate degree was was in English with a concentration in Shakespeare. I didn't have a business degree or a business background, but I knew what I didn't want. And that was to work for someone who didn't value me. And so I've always believed that the best way to predict the future is to create it, that we have full agency and empowerment over creating the outcomes that we want. I'm a manifester. And so even back then when I was in my early 20s, you know, after short stints in careers of journalism and then consulting, I knew that if I was going to create the life I wanted to create, I had to step into something that was unknown and into a blank slate. And so that's why I started my first company. And I grew that uh, for 17 years. And the journey of that was full of mistakes and pain and difficulty, but also lots of beauty, Mm -hmm. right? And lots and lots of growth. And my whole reason for transitioning out of that company, I mean, there were many reasons, but one of the main reasons was because our client at the time, the government, we were a government contractor, they went to what is known as the lowest price technically acceptable model, the LPTA mandate. And that was under the Obama administration, and literally overnight, I my rates had to be cut in half. Oh wow! And so, when you're running a company, and you know you're billing for time, uh, and you are in the middle of multi-million-dollar programs, and you've got people that you pay really well, right, because you value relationships over everything else, um, and then you're told that basically you have to cut all of your rates in half. That was a psychological bloodbath for me. And things all of a sudden were not right, right? And so I remember being in that crossroads, that inflection period of saying, who am I and what do I stand for? And I could not get behind the value system of my largest client, which was the federal government. And so it was at that time that I'm like, I think my time is done here. And I, that was the company that I started, Mm -hmm. you know, that I built with my blood, sweat and tears that I poured my whole heart and soul into. And so when you're standing and you're looking at something that you built and you don't see a a place for yourself anymore in there, you're
0: not fine. You are not fine. What were the tools that you used to help you manage through that? I mean, obviously we've talked about your spiritual journey. Were there other things that you employed at that time and- did you walk away from the company? Did you shut it down? What I did I walked
1: away. So, I walked away 14 years ago. It's still going. Okay. I mean, it's not it's a shell of what it was. Um it's not in any reflection of who I am or, mm-hmm. you know, what I what my values are
0: or anything. You know, that's a really good point because when I shut down the baking company, it was right away, the first thought was like I failed, like this is a reflection on me and who I am. And I had right. to work through That's. It's just something that happened. It happened and yeah. we're moving on. It's not a reflection of my value or my worth. And I, did you go through that a little bit? 100%. Yeah.
1: yeah. I remember when all of that happened and, um, and I want to just asterisk that with the fact that all of our memories, um, are, uh, Yeah, I know. It's so interesting.
0: When you start reading research about the memory and how the brain retains memories and how they're not accurate, you're like, wait a minute, how is that possible? But yeah, it's fascinating. Even if I
1: share all these stories with you, Lori, there is a caveat that what I'm telling you may not be 100% accurate because I'm only recalling what happened 15 years ago. And there's so many things that color that, right? So. I mean, I think that there's accuracy in terms of the chronology of the events, but I know that the way I'm going to share with you exactly what happened probably is not exactly what happened because none of us remember everything
0: precisely. And there are still lessons in the stories we do tell. Right.
1: Exactly. So, um, you know, I can, but what we do remember are feelings, Mm -hmm. right? Like. We may not remember events or thoughts exactly, but we remember feelings. And so I do remember, you know, I remember when one of my advisors, when I was talking with him about leaving my business, and I can remember being with him in the conference room and him saying to me, you got to just walk away. You got to leave your salary. You got to turn around and walk away and never look back and start over. And I remember that. And, um, And I remember how hard it was because as a business owner, especially for almost two decades, my whole identity was wrapped into that business. Not only my internal identity, but my identity, you know, in the region, right? And and your
0: reputation,
1: I was known as, I was known as the founder and CEO of that company and, you know, everyone attached that company to who I was. And then all of a sudden I'm no longer that person. Mm -hmm. So there's that, uh, you know, coming to Jesus that you have internally of like, well, who am I really? And to answer your question about what are the tools and strategies I use to move me through these transitions, um, definitely my spiritual path. I mean, you know, I like you, I've been, you know, a devoted meditator uh, and for decades, right? I mean, I'd like my meditation room in my old house was my sanctuary. It's where I went to escape and to ground and to dissolve the day and, you know, do whatever I needed to do. So definitely my spiritual work and my spiritual path was tremendous, which is why Buddhism was such a saving grace for me because I clung to everything that I learned from, you know, whether it was Thich Nhat Hanh or Pema Chodron or. Dalai Lama or Jack Kornfeld or, you know, whoever any of the, you know, the, the, so many of the teachers were Sharon Salzberg. Mm -hmm. I clung to everything that I learned in all of my journals and all of the studies that I did. I really did. I also, uh, and I am proud to share this because I want to be a voice for mental health. I have been in and out of therapy, um, for the last 25 years, right? Like, I, I mean, my, I've written about this. My therapist is a lifeline. It's the, and I go, I still go on and off, you know, I, I'm not at the place right now where I go every week or anything like that. But like that to me is one of my most pivotal tools and resources because it's a place I can go that has, uh rec- has, has, uh, information and, um, and, and insight on my patterns right and has and, and knows my history and knows my shadow side right and knows how i process and can help me see things in both you know a what i call a compassionately critical way right like i need to be looking at myself critically with compassion in order to be able to move past my blocks and accept all that i am and become a better person. And so I, I you know, huge, huge proponent of uh, therapy to move us through our difficulties. I don't think I'll never, I, I will always be in therapy. I will always have a relationship with my therapist because she provides such valuable insight for me. Um, so that I can move past my blocks and, and show up the best I can show up for everyone in my life. Absolutely. So therapy, my spiritual path, my girlfriends, tremendous, right. My mm-hmm. lifelines. And then, uh, I am, uh, will always be devoted to my, my health, my physical health, right. I've been weight training and taking care of my body since I was 15. Um, and so working out for me is what I call the
0: for sanity and vanity. <laughs> right. And I
1: am not embarrassed about that at yeah, all. Yeah, me
0: either. Me either. In fact, you mentioned your sanctuary. The gym is my sanctuary. Yeah.
1: There you go. So that's my other sanctuary. So you know, it keeps me sane. And uh, quite frankly, I'm superficial too, and I want to continue looking good. And I don't. There's no shame in that either. So sanity and sanity. Um, so yeah, I I really focus on my holistic health, of my mind, my body, my heart, and my spirit. And I think, you know, this journey, if there's anything that any of your listeners get from this, this, you know, episode, the whole purpose of everything in our life is to learn and to grow. Right. And all of the experiences in our life, they're simply um, like acts in the play of our life, right? Like, They're the vehicles, they're the gateways for our learning and our growth and evolution. And we have to not take everything so seriously.
0: That's such a good way to look at it.
1: Yeah, every relationship we have in our life, it's how do we know ourselves better? Mm -hmm. It's not about looking at someone else and criticizing them or, you know, thinking they don't fit a certain mold or a certain idea or why are they showing up a certain way Every relationship in our life is to teach us about ourselves. What are our unconscious beliefs or prejudices or judgments? How can we move that to being conscious, right? How are other people if they are struggling with things and therefore they show up in a certain way in our life, right? How are we processing how they're showing up and also standing in our own truth and our own value system so we can be compassionate and understanding about somebody and also know what works for us right so that's the purpose of life and that's the purpose of every relationship yeah
0: it's really important to look at things that are happening in your life as why is this happening for me or recognizing sure. that it's happening for you as opposed to to Always. you in the victim mm-hmm. mode which you know a lot of people tend to go to that framework but Yeah, yeah. To to look at why, how is, and maybe it's a better not why, how is this happening for me?
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So you know, I like kind of go through life. Um, you know, you know that one of my favorite books is Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. Right. So be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. Don't take anything personally. And then always do your best. And one of the things that he talks about in that book is how important it is to be both a witness and a participant to your own Mm -hmm. life. And I mean, this is work that we both have been doing for decades. So for me to be able to look at my life as a witness and say, how am I showing up? What am I learning from this experience? Where am I being judgmental? You know, because of my own self limiting beliefs and because of, um, you know, external conditions that were. Put upon Mm -hmm. me, right? Like this is good and this is bad. This is right and this is wrong. Those are all opinions. And how much do I allow that to really influence my opinion of others or situations? And so, I'm just very cognizant of like every relationship of how people show up in my life now. Of like always coming at it from a place of compassion.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, do you also question what what is the lesson here? And why is this person showing up in this way? And, yeah. Right. So where, where is the lesson here? And then going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier about being in therapy and having, um, you know, the, so often you know, I really dislike the term when, especially applied to business people as in a self-made millionaire or a self-made mm-hmm. person, because no one is self-made. We all rely on other people to help us and, build who we are. So I, that term has always ru- kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but the point of there's no shame in asking for help and getting help and having a therapist and having a coach, which I want to talk a, a minute about your new business as well, because, and this is what you and I are doing now in terms of helping people. Like you mentioned, you have your friends and that's a great Resource We definitely need to have friends and yet a lot of, there are a lot of situations that friends cannot help us with in part because mm-hmm. they are personally invested in, True. in when they see you change, that might be a reflection on them and it might be uncomfortable. So they don't necessarily always offer a completely unbiased objection mm-hmm. um, coming from an uh Objective place, right? Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think you know, life is so fluid, right? So there are people that will that will come in and out of Mm -hmm. your life, right? Like relationships will ebb and flow, just like seasons, right? They're constantly changing, and so um, when you know, you know, I do, like you just mentioned, I am just aware that when someone comes into my life, I you know, I really have worked hard to detach from the outcome Mm -hmm. of anything like literally to release expectation of anything like any relationship right anyone that comes in my life any situation like I can be emotionally invested in a situation and an experience but I'm really mindful now to um, not jump ahead and to be in gratitude for what is right in front of Mm me right Mm -hmm. And not create a scenario down for down the road that may result in pain or disappointment or suffering only because I've created an expectation based on a story that I've told myself. Yeah.
0: And that's so easy to say, easy to say, and more difficult to actually do. And and again, but it comes back to practice. The more you practice. Right. It's the practice,
1: right? Right. Of really detaching from outcomes and just enjoying the experience for what it is right now. And if it was nothing else ever again, can you just enjoy what you've experienced? Right. So not falling in love with the potentiality, Mm -hmm. not falling in love with the, with the outcome that you're envisioning in your life, but just being where you are today with you know no judgments no expectations attached to it and it is very difficult and especially i'm a visionary and i'm a planner and all mm-hmm. that right so it's balancing both of that but you find a lot more peace internally when you can be right where you are right now right be here now like ram das says uh, and let go of fear of something manifesting or not manifesting the way that you want it to uh, and just be present.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the present, I know you have a brand new website out and so I wanted to just touch on that a new company for a moment. tell. How- new company. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's it?
1: Uh, so I'm launching Marissa international and it, it's audacious. Um, And I've, it's, it's, it's bold and it's audacious. It's a global, a global firm. Um, and I've created a model around joy. I've created, I've identified six elements of joy. You can go to marissainternational.com Uh, six elements of joy are, um, the path, purpose, power, potential, people, and play. And the, my book, the little book of big joy will be coming out in 2023. Um, and then I've created several products, and, uh, you know, services under my new, you know, my new entity, Marissa International. Our flagship program is the Power Paradigm, and it stands for Purpose, Ownership, Worth, Efficacy, and Resilience. It is a full model on how to help people either reclaim or step into their power, uh, really fully stepping into their internal power. I've got a program called the Self Worth Rebirth Program to help people. Really reclaim their self love their self compassion right their their self worth moving from self loathing and self sacrifice into self love mm-hmm. and um, I've got a whole host of other products and services and obviously still doing the leadership and entrepreneurial coaching, which has you know been a foundation of what I've done for you know decades yeah. so but I'm really excited because I think through the work with Marissa International and the academy that we're launching and all the other programs that we're going to be launching, you know, my lifetime legacy mission through this company is to empower 1 billion people to live their most joyful lives. And I really feel that if they, people start to become conscious of these six elements, right? Path, purpose, power, potential people in play, and really understand what those are and how to be more conscious for them This is really how you capture your most joyful life. We're not here to suffer.
0: I agree completely. We are not
1: here to suffer. All suffering, honestly, is man-made and it's up Mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. right? It's up in our minds with our thoughts and uh, our intellect can work against us quite often. Right, which
0: is why it's so important to tap into the heart. Right.
1: So the work that I'm doing for Marissa International is really about helping one billion people
0: you know, access their most joyful path. Awesome. Well, we will put links to that in the show notes. And before we go, okay. the, I got to ask you, what is the question? I mean, what is the question? What is the song that you listen to when you need an extra boost of energy that like your hype song song that gets you up yeah. and dancing? Um,
1: so I have actually a playlist on Spotify called Marissa's best life playlist. And so I listen. I do listen to that like pretty much every morning in the shower and I'm constantly singing and dancing. Um I would say that it's either Unwritten by Natasha mm-hmm.
0: Bedingfield,
1: right? Or I love This Is Me from um from the uh, Yeah, the uh,
0: movie. Um the movie with
1: yeah, um about Ringling about Barnum Bailey, right? The
0: Greatest Show the a show. Yeah. Yeah. I love yes, that. Yes. That's such a good one. And you know, I would say that my life theme song
1: though, my anthem is life is what you make it. So.
0: We will put links to those songs in the show notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today on fine is a four letter word, Marissa.
1: Really, really fun to talk with you, Lori. And thank you for creating this platform for people to share their stories.
0: There are a lot of parallels in Marissa's life and mine, so I can easily relate to a lot of what she talked about. Here are the key takeaways from this one. Number one, just because you were raised with a particular belief system and set of values because that was how your parents and their parents were raised, you are in control of what you choose to believe in your own life. Being raised in a particular religion with a bunch of rules does not mean you have to keep them forever if they do not align with the life you want to live. In his book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, Vishen Lakhiani calls these brules, as in bullshit rules. Number two, it's important to stay in integrity with your values and walk away from things that violate that integrity, even when it's painful. Marissa mentions Don Miguel Ruiz in his book, The Four Agreements. Be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. Don't take anything personally and always do your best. Number three, your memories are not accurate. You 100% believe they are and they're not. You never remember events exactly as they were because our minds are tricksters. There's science and research behind this. What you do remember though are feelings. Number four, People and situations will come in and out of your life. There's an ebb and flow, just like seasons, constantly changing. So it's important to detach from the outcome of anything. Release expectations and become mindful of not jumping ahead. Be in gratitude for what's right in front of you. Instead of setting yourself up for pain or disappointment down the road because you've created an expectation based on a story you've told yourself. And number five, the whole purpose of our life is to learn and grow. Every relationship you have in life with others and with yourself will teach you about yourself. All our experiences are like acts in the play of our life, gateways to our evolution. Let's not take everything so seriously. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Find is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.